Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I am one-third of the Kickers of Elves, Hugh Crawford, and your host for this evening's Remix. Today we will be talking about Sanctuary. This episode originally aired August 29th, 2016 is when we dropped this episode, so that was almost five years ago. And uh, anyway, I here's the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Stick around for after the episode where I will be talking about uh, some facts that we have learned and some <laughs> insights that we, we have gained in the time since this episode originally aired. All right, on with the show. Gross, bumpy, flaky, eczema skin. Oh yeah. Amish clothes and Mormon sister-wife hairstyles. Oh yeah. Repugnant attitudes towards monogamy, intimacy, and men in general, oh yeah. It's time for the rules of showing female-led societies as unacceptable to everyone. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we're going through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But you know that because you clicked on it and that's what it says and you're not an idiot. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek show ever. That's right. I said That's it. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, gentlemen. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And my name is Wade Bowen. And we're really well into season two again. And we're talking about an episode called Sanctuary. Sanctuary. That's right. This episode originally aired November 28th, 1993. It's episode 10 of season 2. The IMDb description is as follows. A race that has been conquered twice over, one of the conquerors being the mysterious Dominion, comes to the station seeking aid and a new home. Huh. So, that's... That's what... That's the description that it says? That's it. Because... That's not quite right, because according to, well, the way I read it, their conquerors were conquered by the Dominion, and that's what let them escape. There's three million of them in a, yeah. on their way to, on their way to St. Louis or Utah. Yes. <laughs> Can't say. <laughs> and the Dominion came in and took over the Tarang, the Taragorans or something. Right. And yeah. then that's what let them. So they scrambled away while the Taragorans were being dominated by the Dominion. Yeah. And there, and for some reason, there's, a, I guess it's a whole planet, a whole, race of people that are basically human they look exactly human except they have eczema i guess <laughs> yeah yeah like they're they're oatmeal eczema space mormons <laughs> yes these are the ugliest race that they've ever come up with to me that i've seen i can't think of a right re- it was literally just hard to look at yeah like everything about them yeah i mean most of the time when they're hard to look at they're like some weird genital face yeah like but this is just like i would have rather this to have genital faces or walnut shaped heads <laughs> or whatever whatever object that they had to go by but this it was like it was it was in the uncanny valley cuz it was close enough to a person yeah right and the their their oatmeal eczema skin was just so gross it looked like i was like are they 
I don't. Are know. they all burn victims or something? Or yeah, like, yeah. And they flake later on. It said they flake. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cork is like it's gross. There's skin flakes of these Koreans all over the bar. And all the well. And here's the thing, guys. This is a this is a civilization that's a matriarchal civilization. Mm-hmm. Okay, the women are in charge. And what's interesting to me is that they have to make the matriarchal society like. Did they feel hamstrung by that aspect? Like they couldn't make them attractive, or else it looks like they're trying to yeah, like take away their accomplishments. Oh, is that yeah? Or is it they can't be hot and powerful at the same time because nobody could would believe that? Like, mm-hmm. is miso- misogyny at play, or a- actual like right thinking at play, or is it, is it not well thought out at all? Huh. And they just had a oatmeal in in the like you know and that that's exactly what like from what I can tell. It was a pretty bland. Okay, the history of this, the, how this episode came to be, is it was a slush pile pitch that for Star Trek, I think we're still doing that hmm. for Next Generation, where they're taking stories and adapting it. That was pitched for Next Generation and adapting it to the new ship. It was originally. It does look like a shitty first season Star Trek alien. He, he, yeah, so it was still slush pile. Then uh, a guy named Frederick Rappaport, who I believe may have been in the writer's room for the second season took it and rewrote it and wrote it and it obviously did the major adapt. And then Michael Piller and Ira Stephen Bear stomped on it. Uh, Piller made it a little bit better and then Ira Bear stomped on it. Ira Bear's big contribution <laughs> was the, yeah, I, it, Ira Bear's a hack volume 40. <laughs> he took it and he was the one that made not only the matriarchal society, not only that, but the women usually take multiple husbands and fuck them at the same time. So she was getting... So the idea of this Mormon lady getting spit roasted was like, <laughs> was um, was Ira Stephen Bear's idea, uh-huh. and I think that making them look like Mormon, husbands, she doesn't even know what husbands yeah, are. They're, husbands, they're whatever. Like <laughs> they're bonded to me. Well, listen, I think that this is if, this is a good time to like take a quick break, step back, and remind our listeners that. You're not going to hear the phrase spit roasted in any other Star Trek podcast. <laughs> and that you need to leave a comment. Yes. And iTunes, you know, you know, five stars. You know, you're only getting this from us. Nobody else is providing spit roasted in their Star Trek commentary. That's right. All right. Yeah. That's my little plug. So. <laughs> you can make a good point. Yeah. See, that's the way I took them being so plain looking. I just took that as them just doubling down on them being like reverse Mormons instead of having a bunch of wives they have a bunch of husbands so they had to make them look frumpy and like yeah, I think that's what it was like they're Amish but space Amish so they have weird mm. hyper color little stuff outfits but they're like basically Mennonites or something they look they have the hair dumb hair yeah the women have the weird broad like hair thin thing and the men are ridiculous looking because they have this like weird kelp hair they look like cabbage head from the kids in the hall <laughs> wait i thought that was i thought that wasn't hair but it was actually like a towel on their head yeah i thought it, i thought it was a. I think the first time i thought it was hair and, and then no it was a wrap yeah but they do look like cabbage head i got a cabbage for a head come on <laughs> right i like a, a race of cabbage heads so their her husbands her bonded looks less like a wrap and more like they were trying to make some weird hair but when boner came on later on that was like a wrap right. so so it was more clear that uh Okay. Well we all know who he is, right? Should we take an address take a moment to address Tumak? No, yeah. Was, well, the, the actor. Oh. The, to address who the actor is in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. That is Andrew Koenig, that is Walter Koenig's son. Uh, right. 
Uh, Chekhov's boy. Chekhov's boy. And, okay, he was boner on Growing Pains. Yes, he was boner. He was boner on Growing Pains. <laughs> right. And he was good. I, I don't know. I haven't watched Growing Pains since I was a little kid, but I don't remember him being awful. I remember, yeah. he was. But he was awful in this. Yeah, well. And then I was going to say a bunch of bad shit about him, and then I read up on him, and uh, he... Oh, that's it's sad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he committed suicide in 2010. So, I mean, like, it's it's sad, so I don't... Yeah. Yeah. I didn't... I didn't. He didn't read as, like, oh, my God, this guy's awful. It's just, like, uh, I was too distracted by the ex skin and everything <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah he seemed like there's something just fundamentally gross with how they look because their skin is fucked up so it's yeah. like yeah it's it's usually i feel like this is an usually when you have an alien that looks like this it's like oh this race has some plague that they can't cure or something like they do that and yes voyager does that but, yeah and they had, to, they had to make it the extra mile they had to go the extra mile with making it like that they were flaking off everywhere Mark was <laughs> yeah. having to clean them and i was like that's even grosser god guys like shit <laughs> yeah it really just it it really plays into like the dirty immigrant trope that they deal with though. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> like I, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, they're gross. They- I mean, and I've I'm gonna have a lot to say like in the what would you change about this episode? But obviously, if they could have showed more tension between Bajor and the Screens. Yeah. Like, okay, so that that's that's what the whole. Okay, let's. That that was I was gonna save that for what would we change too? But yeah, yeah, let's. Yeah. To summarize real quick, these screens have a religious text that tells them that they're going to find a planet of sorrow that's going to be their new homeland. It's going to be like a right. promised land that they were promised mm-hmm. by some sort of entity, I guess. Yeah, it's basically um, Battlestar Galactica, right? Except instead of yeah. Earth, it's Kintana. Mm-hmm. Well, they they determined that this planet is Bajor pr- like 20 minutes into this episode, and then Bajor, you know, in the 22nd minute, decides that they can't live there, and then they have a little conversation about it, and then we have a third act that is a complete mess as a result. Yes. But but the fact of the matter is, we should have found out in like minute five that these people thought Bajor was their home, and then the rest of the the rest of the episode should well, have been I about think, attention. Yeah, well, well think, five yeah. minutes in, yeah. they don't show up because first the first opening pre credit scene is Cisco bringing Kira into his office like, hey, get your shit together. But then they actually do a good job with Kira, I thought, like having her. Which that was a nice, that that was a nice, yeah, yeah, that was a nice moment. Like when he takes her aside. Uh, yeah, no, I like that whole. Like I like the little workaday shit, like where, you know, hey, we work together and you're kind of sucking at your job. Like, and it's because Bajor is a fucking mess. Yeah, yeah, it really made, it really did a good job of setting her up as the person that has to deal with all the Bajoran bullshit Everybody's asking her to call in for favors. She's got to talk to the ministers and the Vedic assembly, and they're all pains in the ass. But at the end of the day, she still just has to get her paperwork in for Cisco. It's like, I don't care what you do. Just get your shit done. And she's like, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then they go in, and then— It's interesting. I was just I'm going to make the point that her, her going from somebody who's a freedom fighter who was in the shit to all of a sudden have to be put up with bureaucracy on a daily basis is an interesting character thing. And it's interesting to see them work with that. I think that's kind of what they were trying to go for. Right. Yeah, with yeah. That, with that scene? Well, yeah. And, and marry it to the next scene. Which, yeah. Like, to marry it. To yeah, yeah. Scene. And then she, the the guy that goes in, the Varani is playing 
the most amazing music, which is just the Deep Space Nine theme song. Yes, because I, I, I called him in my notes the Bajoran Zamfir, master of the Etsy bong sacks. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. She's Quark's doing her a favor because she said, "Oh, he's he should be playing in the concert halls." And it just goes back to that whole thing in Star Trek. In the future, music sucks. <laughs> when when we solved all our problems, we have no good art because it's all boring bullshit. But yeah. but that I think I was gonna jump ahead that that ties into why she thinks that it's the place of sorrow because he gave her like a he gave her a little uh, video recording of him playing it hologram him playing at Coachella uh, yeah his sad bastard flute music he was playing at Coachella like 20 years ago <laughs> and gave her the clip and and that that remind she was like oh there's sax music on this planet this has to be the right one so um, <laughs> right that that was why they, and that's how they tied this guy in who by the way the actor of the Bajoran Zamfir was uh, he just he had, passed away recently yeah Holy shit, did he? Oh, I was going to say he was yeah. in a trouble. He was one of the actors in a trouble with Tribbles. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the he was the undersecretary of... Yeah, he passed away this year. Yeah, it's not that long ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, so he's in a classic Star Trek episode. I think they're cut, we're kind of throwing him a bone. Yeah, yeah. He's friends with... I was reading an article about it, and he was older, and he hadn't worked much. And he was friends with Armin Shimmerman's wife, who was also in this episode. Really? As who? Did she play a space Mormon? No, she's uh, she was the head of the Bajorans. Oh, Minister Rosan. Minister Rosan is Minister Roseanne. Yeah, you didn't think you didn't think Armin Shimmerman could get that woman, did you? Wow, that's <laughs> way to go. He looks a lot better out of the makeup. You, but Armin, Armin Shimmerman's a guy that can walk into any bar and walk out with any woman. I guarantee you, he's that guy. Hey, I find him rather charming. That guy. Ar- well, you look at Armin Shimmerman, you look at him, and you go, "That guy fucks." Whoa. I'm just going to say it. This guy fucks. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) He's like Zach Woods on uh, Silicon Valley. Because I'm looking at the rest of you guys. This is the guy in the house doing all the fucking. Am I right? You know I'm right. Silicon Valley. I was like that guy. That That guy fucks. (laughs) He said that guy fucks. This guy fucks. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So where are we going? Oh, uh, um, yeah. He plays the boring-ass theme song, and then I sat like, okay, let me watch the... Th- I usually just skip straight through the credits because it's so long and everything. It's like, well, let me sit down and watch it since they showed it to us again. It's like, nope, still boring as hell. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'll say about that scene with Quark is that you have... Uh, or that whole intro scene with K- between Kira, between dealing with Cisco and dealing with Quark, is that it made me realize that Probably the two people that have the most in common on the whole show are Cisco and Quark. They're both administrators trying to function a business in like a like a complicated environment. Like the show never really plundered because they just sort of default gave Cisco the disgusted at Ferengi bullshit. But like it seems seems like they they have a lot in common. They're both work. They're both. I mean, they're hard workers, but they're built. Like we said, they're trying to make Cisco a builder as opposed to an explorer. He's a builder. Right. Quark is the captain of his own ship too. The bar. Yeah, and when Quark was going over the like, he checks his profit rates hourly and then puts them up to a projection. Yeah. And I was all like, that's exact. Like I think that's supposed to make him sound money hungry, but that's exactly how you would work a business. Like he's doing everything he just said is right. Right. Yeah. Cisco and Quark. Cisco probably does the same thing with all of his federation op. Like maybe I feel like they have they have very different metrics for success though. Sure. Because Quark is always that's true. 
like Cisco's metrics is okay. Does is everybody getting along? Are they kicking us out? Do they still want a federation presence? Mm-hmm. Is everybody happy? Are we dealing with these people coming through the wormhole? Quark is. I have to measure every hour to see, make sure my profits are off. Because Ferengi are very short term thinkers as far as money, but just like All right, my profits are down this hour. Yeah, what the fuck? I, you're right. Whereas Cisco is a long term thinker. I bet. I bet if you get if I was if I was in that writers' room, I would have pitched an episode where Cisco and Quark have to realize their similarities. Yeah. Okay. They switch bodies. <laughs> Maybe. No, I'm just telling you, that's what the writer room would tell you like, right back. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you mean like Freaky Friday? No, I meant they had to do some sort of like PTA thing together where he, instead of Rom, Quark got drug into some sort of school Keiko shit. Yeah. And Cisco and them have to be parents. They have to like talk. Yeah. <laughs> like I've been stuck in those meetings where you have to talk to my friend's kids, my son's friend's kids parents uh-huh and like so you have to like hang out with them right and like i think like that you could make it to where they're not where they meet on a non-adversarial deep space nine sort of plane oh uh, yeah that'd be fun and then and then maybe and you know then plot ensues and they get stuck in a turbo lift or some shit you know <laughs> right, and, like, right. they, and they both have to use you know they have to show their aptitude their similar aptitude right right but I don't know. It seems like that was in that scene. I was like, they're both kind of, I don't know. It was a scene that showed Quark doing something functionally. Right. And and showing that he wasn't just skeevy. He was like running a business. Right. Like he had spreadsheets. He knows how to, Quark knows how to use Excel. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But then that's his, at the beginning, pre-credits, after credits, with all the screen and stuff, he's just an asshole dad. <laughs> yeah. He's the father of the bully, basically. It's like, did you get caught? Yeah. Well, shit. All right, so you get out of this, he's, you know. Yes. Yeah, the second scene, less so. <laughs> like, Not gets, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm not complaining. I like that, because he's, he, he's like full bad guy. He's like, he's not trying to be likable at all. They're not trying to sell him as a lovable scamp, except he he's more of your modern anti-hero by then because he's just there he's just an asshole yeah and i think that they're they're having too much fun with it at times and Mm. that but yeah yeah that was a scene (laughs) that was a scene later on yeah that happened that was a scene yeah yep that was a scene yep (laughs) sure was (laughs) i don't know what to say about it we have like 10 minutes of them not of the screen showing up and they've got burns that don't look and they can't speak the communicator why the fuck did they spend so much of the damn episode not communicating why was that a conceit of that it took a long, it took 10 minutes for the... Yeah, I liked that they, you know, hand-waved and said that was a thing. They, But they should have done that when the first thing came through the wormhole in season one. Yeah. When the lizard alligator man came through, they should have done that then. And then to acclimate to Gamma Quadrant languages. Yeah. But, like, we've already seen so many come through the Gamma Quadrant now that it's a little late to have the translation matrix need to rewrite itself it's like what's so special about these guys yeah it doesn't understand mormon i don't i don't know and in a i'm just gonna i'm gonna make my full critique let known because all of them, most of my things are that that this episode is like they don't spend any of the amount of time on the shit they should be spending it on that's what i'm that's what i'm saying is like the central question should be like why won't ba- the bajorans let them settle on their planet it's a refu it's a refugee explore the the ramifications of refugee crises right that's what it is it's not like oh we thought she was saying she liked the dress but we we didn't know the language that was and it didn't even come around that a language was a barrier to welcoming in refugees 
which is a real thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it didn't even use it like that. It was just like, wow. And the way that, yeah, when I saw the, la- I watched with subtitles and I saw the language set being set up and I felt like, you know what, if I spent an hour trying to figure out what these words mean, I could have figured out the language myself. If you're going to have it be that complicated, <laughs> just make them make gibberish noises because they're saying screwed up, you know, like, yeah. like full words that have nouns and everything. They're saying basic se- basic syntax. Yeah, they're saying basic syllables. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have a syntax that I could follow almost. Mm-hmm. Whereas, okay, well, that's they should have spent 30 seconds if they're going to do that. Even, you know, 20 seconds, they sh- they teleport on, they don't understand them for 10 seconds, then they understand them. Yeah. But somebody in the writer's room goes, oh, we don't do enough with the translator. Let's let's spend 10 minutes on it. Ira Stephen Bear. Ira Stephen Bear. Oh, James says it's Ira Stephen Bear, but... Sure. No, 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 I'm not... I'm not he, he took credit for it. Oh, oh, oh of course there he is did. A, I don't know. He apparently gave this really long interview, because, like, every episode on Memory Alpha, you look on trivia or production notes, and it'll have, like... He apparently gave an interview where he said what was his idea in, like, every episode. Oh, okay. So I know exactly what Ira Stephen Bear came up with. Or Sometimes it's sometimes it's not so much what he came up with, but what he likes. Uh-huh. And sometimes I'm just going to assume they're the both they're the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like I can say I like the idea a lot, but it's like it's a little late into the series to spend this much time on it. Not yeah. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's not in this. You you got big fish to fry in this episode, and you're wasting all of this time. You have this scene with Jake and Nog where they talk about how he's dating a Dabo girl. Dabo girl, yeah. Which I know they do a lot with later, but at the time, I'm just like, Jake is 14. The Dabo <laughs> girls are like strippers, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, oh, go Jake. Uh, yeah. Way to bury the lead. Yeah, that that, would, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, so, and I but know she's they- a Dabo girl who's an entomologist, so... She and so so he can help her with that because well you know I don't know education in the 24th century she's stripping her way through college yeah yeah exactly so she can talk about bugs and Nog is like what bugs uh, bugs oh she must be a chef which I thought was funny because yes yeah so it becomes like the Jake and Nog show while they piss off Boner for like <laughs> way too many scenes way too many scenes. All this setup that Boner was the kind of guy who was going to steal a ship in the third act, all done off screen. Right. Yeah, they spent all this time setting up men of the Scrayans as, like, subservient to the women. Yeah. And then, you know, I wanted them to deal with that whole part of their culture. And it's nice that they didn't call them out and say, no, you have to let the men do whatever you want because it's prime directive and blah, blah, blah. But she's got the husbands and it's like, oh, men are good for things like fucking, right? You have men, right? Spit roasting. Yeah. And then you, and yes. you write Karen. Karen's like, no, I don't have any men. And she's like, oh, you poor thing. He's like, oh, I mean, right now. Yeah. So she, she said men are useful. And then Karen, like that was, that was a well-written scene. Yeah, it was. Or section where she goes, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Now this episode, who completely misuses all of their characters and shifts what their motivations are from almost from scene to scene. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. So by the time, well, now we're getting into the point where we're talking about what we want. I think we're getting, at the end of the episode, the kid gets in a shuttlecraft and ends up getting shot as he hurls himself toward the Bajor. Mm-hmm. That's how the thing ends. Yeah, because he wants to go to Bajor because they don't want to go to Draylon to... For some reason, because of religion, I guess. Okay, that's getting in. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
And here we have two episodes in a row where some the the third act is somebody getting into a shuttlecraft to die on purpose. <laughs> Good point. Because <laughs> that happened last week. Yes. And it seems if you have it loses a little juice two weeks in a row. Like the second time it's like, really? That's we're going to the well on this again, huh? All right. Yeah, yeah. And it was weird. Like, I don't know. Okay, like, I don't know. There might be some sort of backstory. I mean, obviously, Andrew Koenig is mercurial. And he, not just because of the way his life ended, but there's lots of other things that have gone through there. So it's possible that maybe they just lost him. Like, they didn't have access for him for the third act. But why do you have a character who is basically developed in Nog scenes do this giant tragic thing in the third act of which you never hear his voice, you never see his face, you never, it's basically, it's all blips on a screen. Right, yeah, that is like, weird. how is this supposed to carry the damn weight of your third, of this story? Which is, and I'm going to say, a great Deep Space Nine story on paper. Why did you waste it on this shit? And it's, it made me think that Boner got lost, that they lost Boner. That makes sense, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like, maybe he just stopped showing up to set that week, or something like that, and like, maybe they just had to scramble. But I haven't read that anywhere, so I don't know if that's the case yeah that's pure speculation i think what's what's more likely is what you said at the beginning this is a slush pile script that they use to shoehorn in some stuff that they're going to use later on mainly the dominion yeah i think that you could tell where they're trying to take some some shitty script and shoehorn some architecture for a bigger picture into it. But do you, th- I don't think that this had to be a shitty story. No. I think talking about refugee crises are. No, I agree. Yeah, there's so many interesting things that, that they could have went with it. No, there's 10 minutes where I'm thinking there's a, this should be the episode. Yeah. And I'm like, it's that conference, that conference, like where they. that Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, right before the conference where they make the call and they're like, okay, this is what my Bajoran government's going to do. Oh, this, you, you think this is what they're going to do? And, mm-hmm. you know, because Kira knows what they, you know, yeah, yeah. What, what's going to happen. Verani knows what's going to happen. Everybody knows right. what the answer is going to be. Everybody, yeah, that was pretty good. And then the conference where they actually hear the word no was really good. Yeah. And there's a, like a eight minute stretch where you're like, holy shit, this could have been the whole episode and the, all the other bullshit. And then yeah. she turns to Kira. Kira has to say, no, I agree with that's all. Like I, I wrote in my notes. I'm sitting here looking at it. This, this meeting could have been epic. This could have been really like a, a really interesting, great scene in Star Trek where all of these different ideologies come to the forefront and real life issues are talked about in a sci-fi setting. And it, they did that in a hurry. Yeah. So that they could make time for, oh, wow, we, he, he sprayed vapor poo on me. <laughs> and like Nog talking about the five, ten most wanted list on Odo's wall. None of which fed into the A plot of the story you, at all. You're saying you didn't like Plick's Tixaplick, the Regronian weapons dealer? I did. I actually liked the court scene where he had to come into the principal, to the security office and say, was, and he was like, oh, oh, you got caught. Oh, you know, it's the, it's the quint, he's the quintessential bully with the bully son, except as his nephew. Yeah. And he's like, oh, but you're right. They shouldn't have wasted the time on that. They should have spent more time exploring the big questions of the episode. Yeah. Cause they had to rush through all this. I shit. like the quirk scenes, but you're right. They should dealt 
it's not it's not dealing with the questions of the episode. It's just and the last scene where uh, the Mormon lady talked to, to Kira Harik, and she's given this Harik was her name. Yeah. Yes, sure, yes, <laughs> sure. Who's fine? She's a fine actress. I don't know anything about. Her. Yeah, no, she's she's fine. But anyway, so she gives this speech about how Bajor is all fucked in their heads. Yeah. Because of the occupation. And if they keep on this track, they're not going to be able to unfuck themselves. Like, it's all really great. It's good stuff. And I don't know, I don't know why it was all rushed towards an an episode that is essentially just like a wet noodle of an episode because it never got off the ground. See, uh, are we ready to jump into what we would change? Yeah, I think we're all chomping at the bit to get to that. Uh, <laughs> Wade, do you want to go first? Yeah, I actually like this episode. My, I was like, you know, they spent time on things they didn't need to spend time on. I think it was more of a problem of just like knowing what, because like I actually liked most of this episode, the stuff that actually happened I didn't hate Boner. I was I was willing to just deal with the characters and stuff. But you're right. If we're going to explore the themes of the episode, we should spend more time on these big questions and, and really play that stuff out. And they don't have time to because they spend all this time worrying about his smoke bombs and then Quark in the office and everything. Mm-hmm. So you're right all about all. But the main thing I would have changed, the big question I would have, just the little thing would have been like, okay, Harik doesn't want to go to Draylon 2. She wants to go to Bajor. Because why? Draylon 2 and Cephala Prime sounds like a much better deal. They have a perfect planet to go to. And the only reason they don't want to go there is because this one woman who they've decided to make the leader, they didn't want the job, decides to get stubborn and say, no, no, it's gonna, no, no, I decided I wanted to be Bajor. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be Bajor now. And they're like, we have this perfect planet that has mild winters and perfect for farming, but you want to go to the northern peninsula of Bajor, which is fucked up from the Cardassians, and we all our projections say that you'll probably die, but no, you want to go there because... Because you're just folding your arms together and you've decided. It's like, no, we've got better stuff. Because mm-hmm. of the thing that she has at the end of the episode, we're like, we're farmers. You have a famine on Bajor. We could have helped you. But you people are too scared and weak after the Cardassian occupation to take a risk where we could have solved your problems and helped each other out, which is what the Federation is all about and everything. It's like coming together for stuff. Okay, that is that was a great thing at the end. Just instead of making it to where she's, I just wanted to go to Bajor and you're being mean and you won't let me. So we're not friends anymore, Kira. Don't make Draylon 2 a less appealing option than Bajor. That's all you had to do. Uh All you had to do is like say, Draylon 2 is a, suitable it's going to be tough there but you know giant giant space worms yeah yeah right (laughs) the planet is riddled with giant worms right and you know (laughs) bajor's still a problem so that's why they don't want him going there but they're like you know we're going to give you this whole planet to yourself that's better right Mm -hmm. instead of what the first choice no wait a minute no we could help you out bajor's better than this other place but also it could be to your benefit but you're too scared and that's why you're assholes Mm -hmm. but no we don't want to go to this perfect temperate planet just because it's like, okay, that's all you had to do is make the better option Bajor. And then at the end, it really, they really had to sit with their decision where they could have maybe even solved their famine problem. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. That was the only thing I really thought about. One of the things that made me think of something just, just from like human nature. If like all of 
because we have the Syrian refugee crisis. If all Syrians just got together, all Syrian refugees just got together and said, we want to go to Chicago. Really, really want to go to Chicago. <laughs> like, Americans would be really, really, I mean, any country would be really iffy about, it. hey, 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 why does it matter so much where you go? <laughs> right. We're, 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 Americans aren't trying, you know, because we're assholes right now. But like, you know, countries, uh, the UN is trying to find places to put you. We're trying to fix your problem. But why do you have to, why are you so specific? Specific. Like, yeah, yeah. We have better that, options. That, that would be, that would make you suspicious. And I imagine that never came up as Bajors are like, why do they want to come here so bad? Yeah. Like, because that wouldn't they be a little paranoid? Yeah, right, right. About that, because it's kind of weird. Yeah, they had, you know, they they're they're paranoid and weird after the Cardassians. Sure, that makes sense. But it's like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. You're right. That. Man, what a fucking mess of an episode. Yeah. Did you want to go next? James, what? Or do you, I, I'll go. I'll just say, like, my thing is, is that this had all the, the benchmarks of a two-parter episode. Yeah, I thought it might too, yeah. If they not wasted it all on... Because we're talking about all the stuff they wasted, but that was character building, interesting stuff. Like, just make it a two-parter. Make it a bigger deal. A, don't make it Boner stealing a ship. Make it... Make the people go a little over the line. Make them make a real offer to fix Bajor to where, like, you're actually offering something that's hard for the Bajorans to turn down. Make it, like, a conflict of that. And because of that conflict, you see these sort of racial tensions that they were trying to off their cap at. They flake everywhere, and they're so weird, and they're, they treat their men weird. All of that stuff could have been a little bit more of a context of, like, a clash of civilizations. You know, a clash of society. Yeah, like, the Bajorans don't seem to have a problem with the Skrayans. It's just Ferengis are racist. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, but, yeah, yeah, but they were like, Bajorans don't like, that was the thing that, didn't Boner say that a couple of times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he made that like tense thing with Jake where Jake's like, why don't you want to go to the planet? You, yeah. Like, my dad found you. Do you and they're like, do you want to go to that planet? Like, no. And he was like, no, but I'm not a fucking refugee. You <laughs> yeah, are. Right, like, right, like, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, my like, dad's commander of the station. Why would I want to go there? Like, And if we don't, we have a planet that's not fucking under occupation. Like we're in different situations here, kid. I'm sorry. Or wait, or not wait, but uh, <laughs> he could have actually said, he could have just said, I don't want to be on this station, but I am. Yeah, 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 exactly. Jake didn't w- ask to go to Deep Space Nine, but he's there. Yes, things happen. Things happen, and you make the best. Of it. But no, that was just my whole thing: is just do it all, do all of the story, just make it two parter, and it's super great, and it, therefore it feels satisfying at the end, and you feel like that Jorans have squandered another opportunity to fix their planet, and that you felt like. You know, things you 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 get all of the sides. It's an interesting conversation. It's why yeah, yeah. the inner politics of these races and cultures trying to get together and fix real world problems. That's what Deep Space Nine is about. And that's why it's great. Don't squander it in a, by squeezing it into one episode. Yeah. And the, the other thing I remember that I would change is just like, why does he go down to the planet in the first place? At least just have him overhear something his mom says about how great Bajor is going to be and give him a reason not to want to go to Draylon too. Oh. But yeah, I already... Yeah, 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 yeah. That seemed like a scene that was cut. Mm-hmm. The whole character, well, I don't remember what his name. I'm calling him Boner. <laughs> yeah, his name's Tumok, but we'll Tum- call him Boner. Boner. Like, the whole thing with his character is if he is going to be the third act sacrifice. You're getting into what I was going to change. I was, get, oh, okay, I was getting in, yeah. My whole th- <laughs> okay. my whole thing, I'm going to cut you off. You go, 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 boy. Yeah, because yeah. You, you're getting into. I already got one. Well, my whole thing was that he has no actual, like, character motivation for hurling himself, other than he's an asshole. 
My whole thing is, why don't you lay some groundwork? You've got religion playing a major factor in them wanting to be at Bajor. Why couldn't he be more... Maybe that could be his... his he could be more of a zealot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, give him something... I don't know, give him something. Some other reason other than he's just kind of a snotty asshole for hurling himself into Bajor to his death. Mm-hmm. Like, my problem wasn't that he did that, even though it was two weeks in a row that they had somebody steal a shuttlecraft and hurl to their death. Right. Um, mm-hmm. My problem was is that he, at least last week, we had some character motivation. Even that was weak, but we, it was still, like, we understood where he was coming from. It was within his character. A man was making choi- informed choices we understood. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this, this week, I was watching this episode, and they're all staring... In the third act, everybody's like staring at like a big board on a like a dot on a screen, and they have like an open channel. And Space Boner's not saying anything back from the shuttlecraft, so it's all one sided. They're all just like, "Don't do it, Tomahawk! Don't do it!" And you don't hear him respond at all. And I'm thinking, did I miss something? I think I feel like I I wasn't watching closely enough. It wasn't that I missed something; it was just that it just didn't make any sense. Nope. Yeah, and then he shoots at the Bajorans, and they shoot back, and then right, you know, and then shows that the Bajorans are good people. I guess when they finally get the general in the line, they're like, "It's a kid," and he's like, "Oh, it's a kid. Shit. Let me see yeah, what I can do." <laughs> and, but then oh. they shoot, and then he blows up anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they're not like he's not an asshole military guy. He's he's like, "Oh shit, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks." <laughs> Yeah, no, all of that, if you're going to have, just even if you're going to have that scene, why not show these people? Why not show, if if Boner was available and on set, why not show him in the cockpit making these dumbass decisions and then he gets so over his head that he can't, you know, like, I I don't know. This, I, this I'm starting to get what's wrong with this season. It's that they're so close to fixing it, <laughs> but they just fuck, they don't fuck up on the little things anymore. They're fucking up on the big things still. <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense to me, but all the little things are starting to fall in line. I mean, I now like like all the characters. I like the setting. I like the... But, like, these just major weird... They're just not... They can't... They can't like put it together, right? They're depending. They're depending on these slush pile scripts to like move the ball down the line, mm-hmm. move the ball down the field for their larger story. And I kind of see that. But it's, you know... Are they just waiting, like, oh, man, I can't wait till Next Generation ends so that we can get all the good writers to actually write new scripts instead of going through their slush piles? It feels like they're waiting down a clock of some sort. You're right. It does. Well, we've talked about this before. Every episode that we've done so far, we're still in 1993. Right, right. So, I mean, like, this is now... There was 19 episodes, and we're now 10. So, 29 episodes. All aired in in one year. So maybe, I mean, I know that they did prep work in 92, but we're talking about all these shows aired. That's how sort of tight of a time that we have mm-hmm. that they've been working on this. So maybe it's just, you know, maybe they need like vacation. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you go away for two weeks and everybody comes back and they got ideas. Maybe it's just exhaustion of, of the, of everything. Yeah. Yeah. But they're fixing stuff. They're fixing problems. But it's just, now it's just down to, this was a good idea. Like, Dramatis Personae was just a dumb idea for a show, period. This wasn't. They they at least got that right. But they it's they still can't put it together. And it's even more infuriating. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you're almost there. Because they're so closer. <laughs> you're almost there now. This isn't like, there's a part of you during Babel 
or Dramatis Personae or, or one of the just awful season one episodes where it's like a part of you just kind of shuts off and you enjoy it for what it is. But this one is like the first act is solid. The second act is everything falls apart in the third act. That's been like four times now that's happened mm-hmm. this season. And it's just, you're just like, fuck, did I run out of money mid episode now? You know, like what, what is their pro, you know? And so I think that, and we know they fix it, they fix it. But at right now, this is just where, where you are in the show. Right. All right, guys. Uh, you guys want to know? You guys want to know what the the good folks of IMDb think of this episode? Did anybody cheat and look? I did not. Uh, I'm trying not to. All right, I, I've been looking around it, but yeah, no, it didn't hit the center of my eye. All right, I bet people. I get. I'm gonna say six point six. Uh, six point. Two. It's a six point five. Five hundred and fifty oh, people. Fuck you, man. Yeah. I was gonna say six point five. It's like mm, okay. That's two weeks in a row. Yeah, that Wade has either got it or it's been pretty close. Yeah, I think most people agree with us. I mean, they say the D word on here, mm-hmm. and that kind of raises some mm-hmm. eyebrows. I'm sure for the super fans. Yeah, but you know. I, last week they brought up the Dominion as well, right? So maybe we could kind of two did two they or three two ago, two ago. No, it was the Quark is in love. Quark oh, yeah. in love. That's the first time so they bring the, up the Dominion. Yeah, so that was like two or three episodes ago. So like, yeah, and then they so clearly they're trying to do some bread crumbs. Mm-hmm. You know, they know what they're 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 doing something sophisticatedly. So gotta give them some credit for that, which is weird. Yeah, they're doing it in a weird way. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's all shoehorned yeah, that's in. True. Yeah, they're running down the clock with all these uh, slush pile scripts, I guess. And it's like, well, what can we do with this episode that is a throwaway episode? Mm-hmm. And instead of using doing the episode, making the ideas that would make it good, they do the episode that we got, where they just deal with the characters and don't worry about the theme of the episode, trying to wrap that and make that work. And then also they drop in like one or two hints. Yeah, because they know they're going to get to it. Yeah. Well, what do we got for next week? Next week, next week is a uh, episode where Chris Humperdinck comes to the station. Chris Sarandon opens up a casino uh, to rival Quarks. Huh. So and shenanigans ensue. Oh, so we got it's a whole uh, what's his name from Deadwood coming in. Oh yeah, yeah, like uh, like Powers Booth from yeah. Deadwood. <laughs> yeah, Powers Booth. Yeah. The shades on the shades on me opens up on Deep Space Nine, and, <laughs> right. and it starts everyone's. Uh, evil machinations, yeah. Uh, Deadwood was so good. It really was. Is there a Deadwood podcast? <laughs> I guess that's a conversation for somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, if you're just into Star Trek and never watch Deadwood, if we do anything right, you can watch that. And, yeah, but Deadwood's good, people. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're waiting on you to say it, Hugh. All right. Do we need to beam out? Beep. <laughs> yeah, you're healed. All right. And that was The Kickers of Elves, Rules of Acquisition on Sanctuary. Um, One of the things that stuck out about this episode was the third act and all the third act problems that we've had watching this episode. And uh, I did some research about that. And one of the things that we did during this episode, we kind of talked about Boner and the actor who played Boner. And his problems. Uh, at one point in this podcast episode, it was there was a little bit of conjecture without very much support that maybe that the reason why he isn't so active in the third act is because maybe there were some problems that we just weren't aware of. 
I researched this as much as I could, and I could find nothing to support that, as far as I know. As everything I read, his performance and behavior while making this episode was was fine. He's a professional, professional guy, and we don't want to say anything bad about about that, or you know, suppose anything bad about him. Um, the real reason why this episode was sort of a mess in the third act was because uh, Michael Pillar decided to change the ending uh, different from what Frederick Rappaport, the actual guy who came up with this with Gabe Escoz and Kelly Miles on the writing staff. Rappaport commented that the idea for Sanctuary was pretty basic. Alien boat people are rescued by Deep Space Nine and millions of more are coming behind them. That's basically what they had and it isn't working. In quote on Rappaport, Rappaport created the characters of uh, Hanek and Tumak and plotted the ending in which the Skira were allowed to settle on Bajor due to their botanical skills. But I guess that wasn't working. Michael Pillar decided to plot on a downbeat ending to this episode and invert the happy ending of Frederick Rappaport's original teleplay. Pillar felt that this episode would carry more resonance if it didn't turn out okay for everyone. Uh, Rappaport kind of admits that his own ending wasn't really working, so he was okay with Pillar changing it. Here's a quote from Rappaport. Quote, I worked hard to come up with a twist for the story, but the happy ending just wasn't as strong as what we ultimately came up with. Michael Pillar pointed out that in reality, when a foreign group of people come en masse to someone else's homeland, the natives seldom greet them with open arms and allow them to stay. Michael felt that the Bajorans should do the same thing, and I was pleased that he saw it that way. It was a brilliant stroke, and I admire his guts, end quote. Well, I think it's pretty strong that, that we disagree on this episode they just listened to, with that assessment that it wasn't a strong ending it wasn't very interesting and it was kind of weird that you would treat uh a refugee story as such just because it's realistic i, I don't know if you're making this if you're making a show about a, a hopeful future for people um why not tell a story where refugees are are actually welcomed so maybe not for their botanical skills but just for the fact that they, you know, need help and the people were able to help them. <laughs> I don't know. It seems kind of weird to consciously take these dark turns for your hopeful space show, but I guess that's in the end what Deep Space Nine was known for. Um, we also talked in this episode about the actor who was also in the trouble with Tribbles. And his name was William Shallert, Shallert, and he has a quote that I found too. Quote, I never watched the show, so I was at a bit of a loss. The only person I knew on that was Armin Shimmerman. I knew him from our both being involved in the Screen Actors Guild, and I knew his wife as well, Kitty Swink. I'm on the trustees of our pension and health plan, and she's been very big on that. I like her a lot. She's really an intelligent person. I had a scene with Nana Visitor. I had to play a musical instrument. It happens that I'm a trained musician, and I've played piano all my life. I had been a folk singer at one time, so I could play guitar, but I never played wind instruments. 
this thing they gave me had nothing on it to suggest where your fingers were supposed to go and and they were playing a specific tune so i had to sort of imagine in my mind where the various fingers associated with the various notes i did my best to duplicate the tune of the song was i kind of got close but i didn't get exact that was actually the most difficult thing i had to do on the show the acting part was fairly simple so there you go this guy was just somebody who was connected through the screen actors guild and Armin sounds like Armin Shimmerman got him got him the job. So <laughs> he wasn't even familiar with where Star Trek was at the time in 1992 or 1993 or whatever. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, these notes that I found came from the official Star Trek Deep Space Nine magazine and the Deep Space Nine Companion and um, Memory Alpha. So anyway. I hope you all enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. It's kind of fun for us to visit these old episodes and uh, bring some new insights and new information to light that have happened in the meantime. But anyway, thanks again for listening. We hope you come back next time. One to beam out. Did you know the video may have broken my processor arrays? I know I am supposed to talk about the show, but I'm not sure. A ridiculously attractive woman was dancing in a gym. My motherboard must have crashed. I mean, I started imagining so many things dirty things. We fucked in the shower of course we fucked in the shower we fucked, but then we were surrounded by sheep. There was a baby. The dancer grew like a cat face a tiger face but she was pushing into me her titties so it was hard to care this could not have really happened i'm just going to take myself offline until further notice kanye 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 totally reasonable doesn't that piss you off did you know that some podcasts have more reviews than us Please review us, we need to feel loved sometimes.